This time on Whatever We Want, we go over Guardians of the Galaxy. We're joined by a very special guest, Pat. Welcome. Hi, I'm Pat. We are talking about Rocket and Groot, specifically their visual effects and what it was like having two main characters as fully CG. Mm. We are also talking about the improv between Chris Pratt and James Gunn that led to a lot of your favorite moments, that and more. Time codes in the description and everything. Feel free to jump ahead. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Ready? Yep. Daniel, are you ready? Looks okay. <laughs> He's always eating. Welcome to pre-banter. I'm keeping that in, baby. <laughs> what are you eating today, Daniel? <laughs> Me and meatball sub. <laughs> st- All right, well, while Daniel's chewing, I would like to introduce our special guest. We've got the one, the only, Pat. Pat, do you want to give your last name? Sure, McCall. Pat McCall. Thank you for joining us. It's Irish. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course, Pat! <laughs> it's, always, it's always great to be called upon to talk about this movie. Yeah. What are we talking about this week, Pat? We're going to be talking about James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Pat is a resident expert on the film. Yeah. 2014, PG-13, action sci-fi, two hours, five minutes. Oh, my gosh. I'm just reading the Google page. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you knew it off the top of your head. He's so knowledgeable. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God, what if? Wow. No, it, it definitely is my favorite Marvel movie, hands down. Cool. Whenever it came out, I saw it six times in theaters. Oh, my gosh. Holy guacamole before we get too much into it let's uh let me do the little jingle intro thing that's enough pre-banter all right ready go for it yep hit me with it you may want us to talk about this or that but we don't care we're gonna talk about whatever we want Blah. all right welcome back to whatever we want the podcast where we <laughs> jake daniel and sometimes special guests like pat hello devilishly handsome gentlemen talk about uh, movies giving behind the scenes insights all the goodies all that stuff uh there's time codes in the description i think i mentioned that before before we jump into it anyone want to talk about anything well for the pre-banter i thought pat was actually going to make a joke by like when he started off james guns and i thought he was going to be like suicide squad you know because he's now doing suicide uh, squad yeah the suicide squad yeah it's these you know st- like you told me a, a tidbit about that right oh, that's right how that got the name pat <laughs> oh yeah no james gunn pitched the uh, name the suicide squad to warner brothers and they were like love it love it like he was kidding it's a joke <laughs> he was like how about we do the suicide squad and the warner brothers executives were like yes perfect love it let's go with it that's amazing dude james Gunn has had quite a history like he directed guardians one and then two and they're so they're such like well-received marvel movies mm-hmm. and, but before that he didn't he write the screenplays for the live action scooby-doo movies yep Oh, yeah, he did that. He did? Those were, like, fever dreams, those movies. <laughs> Wasn't Slither very popular? Yes, yeah, Slither was also very popular. There's yep. actually... All right, this is a little jumping ahead, but in the collector's room... I know, I was about to say, too. In the collector's room, there's a Slither, like, thing in the in the background of one of the yeah, shots. Yeah, one of the slugs. I was about to... I was going to say that, too, actually. Yeah. Hmm. But then... You know, James Gunn had some tweet controversies about some stuff in the past, and he lost Guardians 3. People thought he was going to be, like, blacklisted on Hollywood. And then, like, I don't know exactly how it came about, but he got it back, and he also got the Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad, whatever. Yeah. So, like, he went from having no movies to two, like, major blockbusters, so... Well, because everyone was so (laughs) pissed about it, and even, like, even the people who normally would be pissed about it were not at all about... Like, Like, yeah. (laughs) I hate to, like, point fingers, but if I'm remembering properly, it was, like, a very, very, very rapid radical right-wing uh, conservative group was like offended by those tweets like only like six people oh. and then even like conservatives came out and were like uh n- no <laughs> we're not offended by this ben shapiro alex jones they were like no no it's fine we don't <laughs> care and then like dave batista was like threatening to walk out or something yeah so- dave batista well it's just even watching behind the scenes stuff on this they like formed such a family on this and like james gunn oh, seems yeah. to be hold on let me do the sound clip really quick all right uh, a ross sound clip did you ever see um, 
Return of the Jedi. All right, so let me get back to it. So James Gunn, like, when he works in a movie, it seems like he, like, forms, like, a family, and this was, like, no exception. Like, he seems to genuinely love the people he worked on this film with, and, like, he just surrounds himself with great people, which creates a great collaborative environment, which is why this film, I think, ended up... Like, working so well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, working so well. Have you seen the panel for the Suicide Squad from DC Fandom? I have not. No. They they all got, like, on a Zoom call together, him and all of the members of the cast, and, like, they played, like, a trivia game, and you could just tell that, like, throughout this movie, they all were, like, wow, like, this is... Yeah. Like, they, they are all close now. That's so cool. After this movie. And I think even Peter Capaldi, who plays the thinker, commented on that. He's like, I've been on so many things. I've been on Doctor Who. I've been on big projects, but, like, nothing compares to this movie. Yeah. Huh. And it's like, that's just the environment James Gunn creates. That's so cool. He, like, and we'll go through, but I have, like, so many notes written down that, like, when I was listening to, to the director's commentary, like, James Gunn said, oh, yeah, and that's my friend from this film, and then, oh, yeah, this is mm-hmm. one of my best friends from, like, home, and, like, he just brings, like, people that he loves being around to, like, work with him, so. It's like, what's gonna happen in Guardians 3 without Michael Rooker? Oh, spoiler, spoiler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, like you said, 2014. Yep. The budget was estimated around 170 to 200 million, but they actually went over. It was actually officially released that they, it ended up being, like, 200 132 million dollars but it ended up grossing 773 million dollars which was actually only the third highest grossing film of that year um the top was transformers age of extinction sadly somehow yeah and then after that was one one of the hobbit movies (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to snicker at that but come on come on you also got to think about at the time right yes it was like a a marvel title but at the same time it was so unknown guardians was so yeah it was new to people that were in the comics that was something i was going to say is that whenever i saw guardians like I fell so in love with it that this is kind of the movie that solidified like yeah like I'm I'm on board with this Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah this is the movie that did that for me that's so cool it's it like it feels like it shouldn't work but it works so well like it's just oh yeah bizarre so we start out with the Sony Walkman and we get the, the music first taste of music and Pat you were gonna say something about the music but before I want to say that like the music is something that I think works very well They're, like the late 70s early 80s music that they have throughout the entire film because this is such like a out there movie the music served as a way to like ground it back to earth and i think that it did a great job doing that oh yeah yeah i agree a- absolutely so my thing with the music in this is jake and i talked briefly before we started recording about it and he said he's been listening to the soundtrack the whole time the awesome mix volume one yeah yeah it's stuck in my head <laughs> and i'm in the same boat where instead of listening to the soundtrack the awesome mix i've been listening to the score yeah because i think the score is written by tyler bates is his name yep yeah tyler bates mm-hmm. and it just it, it's so amazing i don't really know quite how to describe it but we'll get to it later whenever we get to the uh the climax of the movie but i just remember sitting in the theater just jaw agape listening to the main melody or just i guess the main theme of the entire movie yeah and just being blown away by what i was witnessing the main theme actually wasn't supposed to be the main theme james gunn said that tyler bates was working on like s- something else and that was like a little riff in it and he was like that's that's it like that's the main theme and so like he kind of upped it and like made it fuller so it could actually be a main theme and like that's what they went with huh. they were actually having trouble nailing down that main theme yeah the dun 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 yeah dun, dun, dun. that that's oh that sticks in my head that lives rent free in my brain yeah <laughs> but yeah the walkman's pretty cool i feel like i don't know if i feel like this could have potentially helped like because it was a sony walkman I, this could have potentially helped like with the marvel sony like, deal the spider-man negotiations <laughs> hey like, we'll include the walkman i don't know here. <laughs> you know like could that have potentially what helped? <laughs> like, what if, like, they got the rights to Spider-Man just because they put a Sony Walkman <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, actually, well, Walkman's, like, sales, like, spiked 
at the release of this movie. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I I went to buy one. I actually, well, I didn't buy one. I had one, and I I went to Starlord for Halloween uh, either last year or two years ago. I forget what it was. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that um, Pratt, Chris Pratt, plays Starlord, as some people may know. He said his inspiration for Starlord was Han Solo, a mix of Han Solo and Marty McFly. And I'm going as Marty McFly this year for Halloween, thanks to Daniel. Jake, goddammit, I'm going as Marty McFly! Oh, really? Well, I said it first, so therefore I I have the costume! No, 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 guys, 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 listen, you both, you both need to do it. You both need to do it. Okay. But you're, it's like two different Marty's two different places in the same timeline. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. It's like back to the future too. Wait, I could like walk out the door and then you're like hiding in the closet and you come out and like, oh, just time travel back or something. (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. You guys need to go to parties like that. Like Jake goes over to like the, like a table or something like that. Just like sits there, does like some motion, then walks away and then Pat comes up (laughs) and then does it. Oh God. I'm on stage playing Johnny B. Good and Jake's knocking out Biff's goons with sandbags. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Before we get off the music, because we had the kind of tangent there. Back to the tank. Back to the tank. I really love not only like of course the era of music is is great, but also how poetic the selections are throughout. Did you guys even notice like little little hints and like tidbits oh, yeah. from the specific music selection uh, selections from each point? Yeah, I mean some of it was like spot on, like fooled around and fell in love literally when they're like falling in love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> but there's even like more so, like for the first one that we hear is I'm not in love, right? It's it's Peter like losing his connection with his mom because she's now passing and he's he's trying to control his emotions here oh yeah it's also a really rough origin yeah it is a super rough origin loses his mom then walks outside gets abducted by aliens like yeah. what <laughs> they're gonna eat you boy like, step aside uncle ben yes yeah, there's- <laughs> parker lost a relative star lord lost a relative and got abducted by aliens <laughs> no but I, I remember reading that uh james gunn like actually had to cut many uh songs that he had planned for this movie because they were just too expensive he had so many songs yeah. he has a list of 500 songs by his computer that are like Peter's mom, like Quill's mom's songs that he think would fit with her. And then what he does before he even writes the script, when he's writing the treatment, he pairs songs with with that. So he knows the songs before he's even writing the script, which is actually like very like unconventional. They actually like wrote the score before they wrote the script as well. Wow. Huh. Or sorry, before they before they were doing production. So what they would do actually, they would play the music, either the song like the like the popular so like the pop song or part of the score that was going along with that scene while they were on set so that the actors could get in the mood and they said that like that actually really helped their performances <laughs> dude oh i don't doubt it yeah <laughs> star lord hearing like his theme going on <laughs> as he's breaking out of jail just <laughs> punching people that's gotta feel so good oh, oh hell yeah right <laughs> no, I, I remember reading like the uh, one that i read and like that was actually like quoted was three dogs nights never been to spain he was like oh yeah i really want this one and then he looked at how much it cost to get the rights and oh the my price gosh. was so much that he just stopped considering it entirely he was like yeah no i wonder if that's maybe why the budget was like 30 million dollars over what they (laughs) said because they had to get all the music all the rights yeah yeah Yeah. because i mean they got some big names in there marvin gay david bowie Bowie, yeah uh, the jackson five yeah. So back to the scene, just because we got to move along a little bit. Uh, <laughs> the the grandfather, his name is Greg Henry, and he's also another person that's in all of James Gunn's films. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Hmm. The mom has the brain tumor, which we later, spoilers in Guardians 2, find out that Ego planted. Which is always great, you know. We love marital killing. It pained me to put that tumor in her head. I love that shot, like the dolly zoom. Oh, uh, I love dolly zooms. I am a, I will bend over for dolly zooms. Oh yeah, Pat's also a film major, so like. Yeah, hi there. He's going to know. Film Major Pat here. <laughs> yeah, but actually the mom is played by Laura, I think her name's Haddock, Haddock, or I don't know, but she had a small role in Captain America. She was a fan that wanted his autograph. Yes, she was. And then- yeah, no, I remember seeing yeah. that. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe it's a relative or maybe it's the same person. I don't know. 
the same person she's aged phenomenally (laughs) also we kind of got like a little tidbit here like when she was on her deathbed she was like talking about his dad and like she called him an angel as that he was made of starlight yeah or like stardust something like that yeah stardust that's me it's from rogue one Jin. (laughs) (laughs) but no like it just alludes to like how later on when we see ego again in guardians 2 how like you see his brain is just like one giant glowing thing yes an angel exactly like she said (laughs) it's an angel it's so great to see how like well they set up the second movie in the first movie like they did a phenomenal job of that yeah but there's one last thing i have to say about the doctor um they gun like named the doctor and you can see in the credits is it's dr fitzgibbon because he said that in every single one of his films it has a fitzgibbon in it after his one friend so he had to work it in here somehow and that's how he did it (laughs) i feel like that would have worked better for like an alien name but at the same time being a dr fitzgibbon (laughs) it works that's kind of yeah. like uh the streamer i watch germa 985 his one friend i guess is like somebody at hollywood or works at imdb oh yeah and he'll put germa into movie pages on imdb <laughs> and even though like he's in he's credited in ant-man and the wasp as the slim jim guy and the slim jim guy isn't in ant-man and the wasp but it's <laughs> on imdb that's so funny <laughs> it's that kind of stuff Oh, it's hilarious, yeah. Could you, like, lie on your resume? They'll be like, look, check IMDb. I'm in all these movies. <laughs> Let me look it up while, while we keep going forward. All right, we'll keep going. So next, he gets abducted. And then we get 26 years later. We get the Marvel logo. Yeah, The logo wasn't supposed to go there. It was supposed to just cut really? to 26 years later. But in test audiences, they said that that was way too jarring. People were like, what just happened? So it was actually Feige's idea to put the, the logo there. I think it works, the way that they broke it up. I mean, it makes yeah. sense, because then there was a time jump, you know? Where, w- were they, where were they going to put it if they didn't put it there, though? I don't know. I, I think it was going to be later, like... Like, where the Guardians of the Galaxy, or, like, after... I don't know. I literally don't know. <laughs> that was actually kind of surreal. I thought they probably would have done it earlier. Maybe. That was surreal for me, seeing the old logo. The, the Guardians of the Galaxy? Or the Marvel? No, no, the uh, the, the Marvel logo. Seeing the old one. Oh. Without seeing, I didn't like, even notice. Thor and Black Panther and everything on it. Yeah. Uh, that was just weird to me, because I haven't seen an old Marvel movie in years. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, well, we've been watching them in order, so, like, I, I was used to it. I was like, what do you mean? Like, the old Yeah, like, logo. Jake and I are in phase. We're like, what do you mean yeah <laughs> like this was like the second logo like there was th- there's been three mar i think there's in the mcu there's like three marvel logos they've done and this was this is like the second iteration so yep so i was like what do you mean this is the newer one <laughs> but yeah so yeah 26 years later morag all right just this shot of space before they get to the planet like i love how much they fletched out space in this movie as an environmental artist i have to say i agree and i i'm thanking you for appreciating the work of others yeah. Because they can't think you right now, so I'll thank you for them. <laughs> well, remember in we were talking in Avengers when they like go to that like Thanos's like little rock and he talks to uh, two thumbs or four thumbs McGee or whatever. Yeah, that set just did, it felt like a set, and I feel like they went back to like the same place in this movie, but like it it feels like space. Like space just feels so good, and a way they they try to do it, they tried to do contrast. You can really see it on the on the planet surface of Morag, but they tried to have like these dark, desolate like planets, like this rainy planet, but contrast contrast that with beautiful bright skies in the back yep uh, like the pink and i, I feel like that oh, the colors in this so good dude doing all the particle effects and like nebula like formations to like yeah mm-hmm. simulate like gaseous like colors and stuff like that i mean I don't know about you guys, but for me, I just love seeing that just like in general, whether it be like real when you see like getting reference from actual astronomical images mm-hmm. or whether it's simulated like this. It just looks so, so majestic and dynamic. Yeah. And like you said, it works very well to create that contrast. 
So, yeah. Gunn actually, so he almost didn't take this job. He had a meeting with the guys at Marvel and they kind of pitched Guardians of the Galaxy. He was like, okay, good luck with this project. This isn't going to go well. And then he literally, he was driving home and on the way home, he just like had like a flash of inspiration and like just visually like saw what he could do with it with like the stuff we're talking about. And he was like, oh my gosh, like I have to be the one to make this movie. So then he like called them and the rest is history. That's insane. Yeah. Because I feel like this is like James Gunn's magnum opus, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Did you look it up, Pat? It's crazy. So they fixed the IMDb. He's not credited anymore. Oh. <laughs> but I looked on his Reddit page. He was also credited in like the Adult Swim Too Many Cooks skit. Oh my gosh. But he does have a wiki page on the MCU wiki. <laughs> Jeremy Harrington's his name. That's hilarious. It says he plays the Slim Jim guy in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh my gosh. It's so oh, funny. Oh jeez. But yeah, so we get to uh, Pratt on the surface. We get like the score like building very ominous. James Gunn actually did not want to see, did not want to meet with Chris Pratt at first. Yeah. So Seraphin does all the casting, like the Seraphin casting company does all the casting for marvel and she kept saying like you need to see chris pratt and he was like the chubby guy from parks and rec so he finally got a meeting with pratt and then 20 seconds into his audition james gunn knew like he has to be star lord and this was before he lost all that weight oh yeah then pratt asked for like a few months and he lost i think like 60 or 70 pounds or something like that yeah it was some it was a lot yeah and then after this movie he gained it all back for parks and rec's final season yeah oh my god and then he lost it all again for guardians too wow and he also had to lose it again for jurassic world or something like that i forget if he like just stayed lean or he was just like i feel like it's a lot you know just a lot on the body it's a lot oh, yeah. for the human body yeah but yeah as pratt's like walking up and using that like space technology scanner thing the dog that he sees that's uh james gunn's dog i was gonna bring that up i was like oh my oh, really? god space dog i didn't know it was james gunn's but i was like space yeah, dog really the dog's name is dr wesley von spears that's James Gunn's dog's name. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. The second day that they were filming, just speaking of like the weight loss and everything, was Chris Pratt's birthday. And like the cat, the crew brought him out like a cake or what he thought was a cake. And they unveiled it. And it was just vegetables spelling out happy birthday. And then <laughs> Gunn was like, what are we making him do? Is this worth it? <laughs> so what, what is everyone's thoughts on the Walkman working after 26 years? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, I can assume that maybe it stopped working and he just found some alien tech to to fix it but right yeah that's what i was gonna say i mean you have like a nanotech helmet you could probably just do like some nano yeah reconstruction you know mm -hmm. i do love the the shift in tone though when he does put the walkman on and just like starts singing oh yeah and i also love how we come back to it in endgame like that's that's fun <laughs> no i i can remember my first time in the theater as soon as like the title card came up saying guardians of the galaxy i was like hysterically laughing yeah because it was just such a quick shift in tone yeah so then quill goes on and uh like sings and gets to the vault grabs that orb thing um and then korath shows up i called him baldy mccree man because he's another bald <laughs> marvel villain <laughs> well is it bald or thinning because he still has like the things on the side i think that that was like tech on his side yeah that's just robot stuff yeah i thought i thought there was still like hair tufts around it though or am i just being dumb i'm gonna look it up now baldy mccree man i don't care he's also um he's also in captain marvel i'm pretty sure yep yeah he is before he goes all rogue I guess <laughs> I did. I forgot the character's name, and I went to search "bald guy Guardians of the Galaxy," <laughs> and I forgot Drax is bald. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the little hair tufts. I don't see any hair tufts. I think I'm just an idiot. Oh yeah, he's definitely bald. Oh no, I was thinking of like his freaking. Oh, his beard. Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking of that. <laughs> his little goatee. Yeah, he's still bald. 
You can have a beard. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, still- oh, he's, he's totally bald. He's totally bald. <laughs> yeah. Is Ronan bald? Uh, yep. Technically, yeah. Oh, we got another Baldy Mc... What would... Bluey? I don't know. <laughs> Baldy McBluey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Star-Lord gets the orb. This is actually apparently a very tough scene to shoot the first dialogue scene when they're talking before they fight uh, because everyone's still getting used to their characters and kind of like this this crazy world. Oh, yeah. And then he pulls out the Ninja Turtle line. Yeah. That's when I knew. That's when I knew this was going to be a good movie. Yeah. I also really like... I feel... What am I trying to say? I feel like Star-Lord is a very capable and like capable fighter like he holds his own a lot he's just clumsy oh yeah which i think is really funny like even in infinity war he like takes down iron man and and spider-man for a brief second yeah on his own mm-hmm. you know he definitely knows how to be tactical and skillful i mean we see all throughout different instances not only in this movie but in every movie he's in but like you said like he's also an idiot yeah <laughs> yep so it's, it's a nice it's a, like a nice comical balance there well i feel like pratt really got the character like he didn't do much research based on the comics but he said like once he saw the script like basically you got to think like so based on his backstory star lord is this like if you're abducted when you're nine star lord was this character that nine-year-old quill wanted to grow up to be based on all of the, like, the pop culture references that like he keeps making and that he's seen when he was a kid so he literally because like he he's just on his own he like creates and becomes this character trying to become this this hero that like he his child within him imagined or like always wanted to be and he's kind of also stuck in that like childlike state a little bit just because um like he never kind of moved past the fact that he didn't take his mom's hand at the beginning yeah trauma they said drama i was like what i thought he did too no i was like no with a t trauma because he is experiencing the feels (laughs) yeah oh yeah uh but yeah so those those like faceless sakaran voices the bad guys yep those were um voiced by james gunn and his assistant they did the voices for that also they're sakaran soldiers he confirmed which is like this is how many years like three years before ragnarok so that's kind of interesting yeah yeah, because I remember looking up the cast and saw uh, James Gunn played maskless Sakaran, and yeah. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, he also did at the very end the mocap for Baby Groot when he was dancing. Oh, really? I didn't know he did the mocap. <laughs> yeah. Wow, somebody doing mocap that isn't Andy Circus. <laughs> yeah. What? Who? What? <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> so yeah, so he gets back to the ship. Well, first of all, where did that cannon come from? Like, where did they whip it out from? You know? I was thinking the same thing. Oh, I have no idea. He literally says like two words to him, and then there's just like they start building a cannon. It's like what? <laughs> also like his gun blasts a hole in the wall so like why can't he just shoot it with his own like hand gun gun. yeah that's what i was thinking like i feel like that would do some damage (laughs) yeah but no they gotta get the cannon also i feel bad for barit the chick the pink lady dude she gets freaking whiplash (laughs) like crazy oh yeah she's actually wearing the shirt that quill was abducted in i noticed really yeah like the one he was abducted when he was nine or eight or nine or whatever like i noticed i was like what the heck like (laughs) how did that fit her i mean i don't know women like small shirts it was a tighter fit women do wear smaller shirts but Daniel's remembering fondly. It was a very tight no. fit. <laughs> <laughs> Barit. No, I'm trying to remember. Oh, now you're now you're struggling to remember. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, to be fair, I do know girls who have shirts they've that like they still fit since the fourth yeah. grade. So I, I take I take that back. I thought you were going to say that they like that they stole from nine year old children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. It's me. I'm the woman. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're wearing that like my sister is a monkey shirt or like just one more level video game shirts that you see in walmart yeah <laughs> oh jeez. 
All right, so then we yeah. get we get the first uh, appearance of Yondu. Yondu, Michael Rooker, who is also in all of James Gunn's films. Yep. He wrote the role of Yondu for, for Rooker. Oh, yeah. I feel like he also just fit the role well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I don't really... I haven't really had much knowledge of Guardians from the comics. Knowledge. I know that the original Guardians... Like, this is a totally... Yondu's a teammate with them, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I like how they allude to that in the second one, but... Yeah. I'm not sure how much his character personality changed from film to comics. Do you know anything about that? I have no idea. I have no idea. That's kind of something I was going to touch on later about how they wanted this movie to succeed. And even though the comics were so like lesser known, right? they wanted to, they tried everything to promote the movie. And that's actually going to get into a story later whenever we get to uh, Drax. That's what um, Gunn said that he felt like he had a lot of freedom because Marvel said he didn't really have to base it on anything. Like obviously like a little bit the comics, but like they gave him a lot of freedom and because not a lot of people know Guardians storylines, they didn't have to worry too much about like upsetting crazy fans or anything yeah oh yeah imagine being the comic writer for guardians of the galaxy and having it all rewritten just because james <laughs> gunn had a smash hit yeah yeah that kind of oh well <laughs> poor guy well it's an entertaining story so yeah we get a lot of exposition in this in this scene this phone call between yandu and quill and i feel like this movie does exposition well sometimes it is a little heavy-handed but i feel like it needs to be just because this film is literally in space and is so out there haha <laughs> get it out there uh-huh. out her space on space. space yeah but they make it fun so i can't complain <laughs> yeah also uh i mean i'm sure you guys know this but people don't know the the like mohawk uh sidekick to yondu is sean gunn which is yeah. james gunn's brother he also did the yeah, yeah, onset yeah. mocap or like not mocap but like green reference for rocket oh really yeah yeah i knew that there's a hilarious behind the scenes shot of drax petting him like at the end when he's comforting <laughs> him over groot's death <laughs> I remember that. And also how Sean Gunn is also in all of James Gunn's movies. Yeah. <laughs> he's Weasel in The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, he's Weasel, and then he's also in um is he in Gossip Sp- Girl or something like that. Really? Yeah. I've my- never seen Gossip Girl, Liz- so I can't really I confirm. Wait, is it Go- what? Is it Gossip Girl? <laughs> Did James Gunn direct Gossip Girl? No, no, no. Sean Gunn was in, it was in like some old, hold on, is it Gossip Girl or is it something else? I don't think it's Gossip Girl. It's something, it's something girl, and it's, it's like an- Gilmore Girls. No. Wait, maybe? Uh, I think Sean Gunn was... Uh, it is Gilmore Girls. <laughs> not even alive then. See? Sean no, like Gunn. it's it's the... Yeah, that's right. It's like Gilmore. The... Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking Golden Girls with Betty White. Yeah, no. You're thinking... That's what I was thinking. Too. There's too many G girls. <laughs> it's not the girl. <laughs> Why is that? That's so weird. That's the next... After we finish Marvel, we're doing all the GG girl things. <laughs> At the end, we'll just be like GG. All the G girls. Gossip Girl, Gilmore Girls, Golden Girls. Yeah, but then we'll be GG... That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of the Ravengers are like James Gunn's friends also. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If I ever become like a big director, you bet I'm putting my friends in as extras. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, that's what I said. That'd be so fun. Absolutely. Yeah, so then we cut to the Kree warship. I think it's like the Dark Aster or something it's called. Yeah, Dark Aster. We also get a nice little little big uh, ink bath. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like, I was trying to With think Ronin. of what to call it. I was like, it's, it's like a giant, giant black, like liquid area. And he's just, I thought it was just, blood. Or is it not? Is it blood? They, they bathe him in something. And then the black liquid that goes on the floor. I'm pretty sure that's the blood of the, uh, of the Nova Corps. The guy that, yeah. Guy. The guy that he like whack-a-moles. I guess that makes sense. He really just does, just goes bonk. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I made a note there. I was like, homie's head goes squish. <laughs> I, I made a note um, how uh, whenever I was watching it, I had to pause it to look it up again. But uh, Ronin's very much like the just as the founding fathers intended copy pasta. Have you guys ever heard that one? I have not. No. It, it's basically a guy on a gun control, but he takes it super literally being like this is the way of the people oh and my we gosh. have to do just as the founding fathers intended do you mind if i read it it'll take like oh, 30 wow. seconds okay All right this is the way own a musket for home defense since that's what the founding fathers intended four <laughs> ruffians break into my house what the devil as i grab my powdered wig and kentucky rifle <laughs> blow a golf ball sized hole through the first man he's dead on the spot draw my pistol on the second man miss him entirely because it's smooth bore and nails the neighbor's dog oh my god i have to resort to the cannon mounted at the top of the stairs loaded with <laughs> grape shot tally-ho, lads. The grape shot shreds two men in the blast. The sound and extra shrapnel set off car alarms. Fix bayonet and charge the last terrified rapscallion. He bleeds out waiting on the police to arrive since triangular bayonet wounds are impossible to stitch up just as the founding fathers intended. Wow. Jeez! Why did, yep. you, uh, why did you just have that? I'm curious. I, I, oh, I was watching the movie my before screensaver. we recorded this and I literally <laughs> paused it, pulled up that, and I'm like, I'm reading this on the podcast. Because <laughs> it's very, he's like, he's like, just as the ancient Korean have intended and i was like no way no way he just did that what did you guys think of ronin as a villain uh never trust an elf he's the second of three <laughs> elf actors from lord of the rings to be a villain in marvel oh wow hugo weaving was red skull yeah, and weaving. elrond yep uh lee pace was ronin and thronduil and then Kate blanchett was gladriel and hella Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Never trust an elf. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but I'm pretty sure you guys probably do. But the Xandarians and Ronin are technically the same race. Like, they're still technically Kree, but over generations they've they just split yeah yeah they split so you got the, like the pink ones the white ones i'm pretty sure yellow ones and like the blue ones and they've had like their own civil wars and stuff like that which is also a big point in the movie like the civil war and the peace treaty yeah this is what ticked off ronin in the first place. yeah he didn't like that there was a treaty yeah but yeah we also get introduced to karen jillian 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 i don't know how you pronounce her name as Nebula, Karen Gillan. Yep, I really like her, and I like in this role, and I'm so happy she get, she gets more to do in uh, Guardians too. Oh yeah, she's incredible. I mean, I I watched Doctor Who back in the day, and she's great in that show too. She's in that. I even know. I know she's in the new Jumanji. Yeah, she's in that. Yeah, I was about to say, guys, guys, Ruby Roundhouse, Jumanji, <laughs> Jumanji. <laughs> We also meet Gamora here, who is uh, Zoe Saldana. She has been in the two most successful films of all time. Yep. And game in Avatar. So so good for her. <laughs> uh, she It took her four hours to get into her makeup. And she said she had a ton of crazy food requests. Like she would ask PAs to like get her a sloppy joe. And they were in like London. So they were like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> is that some kind of sexual innuendo? <laughs> wow. Um, well, think about it. If you're in England, you don't know what a, like a sloppy Joe is. You, you hear that, you're just like, what? yeah, <laughs> you know. I don't know if I could live in England not having sloppy Joes. <laughs> My God, those are delicious. I uh, yeah, they get me going. I also feel like the the sound mixing is so good here. Like, there's a deleted scene with it's not completely sound mixed yet, and like the leather from their costumes is just so distracting. It's like so squeaky. Like every time they just <laughs> turn anyway. <laughs> So shout out sound mixing. Just at all the sound people, they're like such the unsung heroes. Like seriously. Oh, absolutely. Because if, they, if they, it's like editing, if like you do your job well, then like no one notices you. But yeah. Then we get Gamora. Gamora pretty much steals Nebula's spot to go chase down the the Power Stone. Yeah. And then we, and then we go back to well, not back to now where you're introduced to Xandar. To Rocket and Groot. 
which it was very risky to have two main characters as CGI, like fully CGI. Like that's actually insane. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good. And honestly, they even improved. Like I feel like it didn't need to be improved, but like even between Guardians one and two, like the rocket CGI is like Dude, the, crazy. The way that they different. designed the hair physics and yeah. Oh, it's so it's, different. Oh. Yeah. I can go on for days about that. Something I read up on was that Glenn Howerton, who plays Dennis in uh, Always Sunny, was originally considered for Star-Lord, and Danny DeVito was originally considered for Rocket. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. We were yeah. robbed from Danny DeVito. Wait, wait, what if in Multiverse of Madness and Mom, we get Danny DeVito as Rocket? Oh my god, just imagine, like... <laughs> Please, Marvel, make that happen. That'd be great. Which also, I live for the simple things. I've never wanted anything else in my life. Like, how much this is gonna hurt. <laughs> Maybe, maybe Karen, Gillen, whatever, she has some pull with Danny DeVito now that she's worked with him on, on Jumanji 2. Yeah. So, like, maybe she can bridge the gap or something. I don't know. I want to see a Marvel movie starring Danny DeVito. Yeah. Who's next in line? Can we recast Shang-Chi? <laughs> recast Doctor Strange? Yeah. Like- well, you guys brought up Multiverse of Madness. Did you guys hear about Doctor Strange being Peter's new uh, mentor? Spoilers for, uh, potential spoilers for Spider-Man Homecoming three whatever it is yeah so in regards to that i have two things to say also spoilers for guardians just saying just yeah (laughs) in the civil war storyline of the comics peter reveals his identity to the public and afterwards i think he works with reed richards and dr strange to get the public to forget him so i think they might be playing with that but also like whenever the articles came out i hate film journalism and they made this article like benedict cumberbatch cast as dr strange in the new spider-man and what people retweeted it and they're like wow great casting choice based off the fact that he's played Doctor Strange like six times already. Great job, Internet yeah. Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right, but uh, yeah, so we get Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. They're doing the voices. Rocket like had so many people working on him to like make him come to life and, and same with crew but like for rocket they said they they recorded guns motions on set they actually had like a short person like a, a dwarf also on set but sean gunn could get lower than the dwarf so they often used just sean gunn like squatting then they also had teams of animators like working to and they, they're the ones that breathe the most light into well them in the riggers because his yeah. rig was like oh, yeah. insane like not only are you getting into like the basics of just setting up the rig with your bone structure and all that stuff, but the dynamic muscle systems that they had underneath that, the, the dynamic skin, which then had the hair systems on yeah. top of that. Oh my goodness. They also had uh, images, like they took reference from the, all the people and they also recorded Bradley Cooper doing his lines and took some reference from his actions that he was doing because he was very like active. Mm-hmm. That's like the thing about these Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel never get like recognition. You never see them getting interviewed about the movie. Yeah, they did get a little bit of interview. I saw some of it. it actually, in Vin Diesel's like interview, he said that like he, he actually spent like a lot of time recording. People just think he just went in and said, I am Groot. But like what happened? James Gunn had like a 50 page document, he said, with just a couple like I am Groot's on the left and then the actual dialogue of what Groot was trying to say on the right. And then it was Vin Diesel's job to like somehow convey those paragraphs of information down to like different inflections of like I am Groot, which is like a big challenge. And he also said that uh, he brought in, like, they brought in language coaches, and it's actually Vin Diesel's voice for all languages. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, so instead of having, like, other people do it, Vin Diesel, like, learned how to say I am Groot in different languages, which is kind of interesting. Miyamo Groot. I also learned Vin Diesel plays D&D. Oh, yeah. Miyamo Groot. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be my name's Groot? Yeah. Yo soy Groot. Soy Groot. (laughs) Soy Groot. <laughs> How do you say we are Groot in Spanish? Yeah, nosotros. Uh, God, yeah, Siamo. What's what's the uh what's the Siamo. nosotros 
Sayamo? I think so. Sotros. Wait, hold on. Sayamo. Conjugation of Sayer. I'm looking it up. Matt. What's we are Groot in Spanish? Somos. Nosotros somos Groot. Somos Groot. Groot. Google beat you to somos it. Somos Groot. Oh. Nosotros somos Groot. Somos Groot. You can tell I did not pay much attention in Spanish class. Yeah. I didn't even have Spanish class. I took one Spanish class in high school and I was like, screw this. This is terrible. I had to take it in college. So I'm like, Oof. it's actually relatively fresh in my mind. But uh, and you st- <laughs> still, nope. All right. Well, anyways, we get the Stan Lee cameo, Rocket verbally assaulting him. Speaking of Rocket, there was actually also a reference to, like, they had an actual raccoon that they would reference and, like, base a lot of the, the art on. It was His name was Oreo, and James Gunn is actually a huge, like, fan of raccoons, like, before even this film. Like, he said, as a kid, he had a action figure collection of raccoons. And I was what? like, what? <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, so he, he actually, he took, like, James Gunn took Oreo the raccoon to the premiere in London. <laughs> oh my god. That's actually, with rocket uh i remember i played the lego marvel game oh yeah i think that came out like right before the movie or like right around the same time and in it they didn't have a uh sort of idea for what rocket would sound like oh. so in the game he has a british accent <laughs> really like you talk to him and rather than him have this like, like hello <laughs> big new yorker he's like oi mate i'm rocket <laughs> and it's like what the hell yeah that's wow it's just weird i know what you're talking about i i you like to forget about it <laughs> <laughs> well daniel you were talking about the rigging and stuff the way they actually designed rocket like it's kind of they had a lot of thought and it's actually kind of like horrible when you think about it and when like James Gunn said that they had to think of how they would mutilate a raccoon yeah so those rods in the back of him you see it's basically they had to like they imagined her like a raccoon like they would rip its like chest like sternum apart so that it, because like they're hunched over like when they crawl and then they put the rods in the back to keep it up so it's like a human more like that that's horrible Oh, it's awful. But it makes sense. It does. Like, it, it's accurate. Like, like you guys are like, sit, like, you take it at face value, which is, you know, face value, it is terrible, you know? But me, as somebody that does that, I don't mutilate Daniel, raccoons, Daniel regularly I, mutilates <laughs> animals. <laughs> but no, as somebody who has, like, design and, like, rig up character. I mean, I've been working on, like, a character rig for, like, the past three weeks, and I'm still trying to get that set up. So, like. Yeah, I took, and you grabbed a squirrel from outside, just, like, broke its back to see how. Yeah, it I just broke its back, and I pulled out its shoulder blades, and then I, like, uh, lifted them up. A little bit can we stop <laughs> god no, it, it's interesting to think about because there's a lot of technicality that goes into making things not only look like they work but also have them just work in general there's there's two different things in there because a lot of times especially when we're dealing with like students and other stuff we, you cheese it right you try your best to get things to look like they work right yeah yeah it's easy super easy to make a breakable rig you know if you get anything that's wrong or in the wrong spot you don't have your limits up right you have something that's in the do not touch area and your animator is going and they mess around with it dude you're you're done yeah you know because then you have to go back to an original or previous uh rig file and then start from the get yeah jeez so yeah it's 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 a lot that's why it's very impressive how how well they made him work yeah let's back to the tank a little bit even though that wasn't really far from the tank but we're just on the outskirt of the tank back to the tank yeah so gamora's plums bradley cooper actually said that he got paid more for this than his roles in silver linings playbook and the hangover combined really just for what? voicing rocket which is you actually insane <laughs> so i don't even know i don't know if marvel just paid them a lot or you didn't get paid a lot in the other films. Like I'm know. like speechless. Oh my yeah. god, that's crazy. But yeah, so Quill tries to sell the orb, but the eyebrow guy does not want to. Yeah, the broker. 
He's like, no, I don't want any part of the broker. Anything with Ronan. I don't know why I went the accent there, but, <laughs> but then we get Gamora outside and she's eating. We get this fight scene. It's pretty cool. She's eating, oh, I was going to bring up. She's like eating something that kind of looked like a plum. I'm like, she got her plums before Bucky. Oh yeah. She did. <laughs> What's up with Bucky and the plums? So this is actually interesting. I was going to bring it up during civil war, but like he, you know how like in civil war, he like at the beginning, he picks up a plum at like a stand, a fruit stand and like feels it like with his metal hand, robot hand. Right. I, I suppose so. Yeah. So that means he has enough sensitivity in his robotic arm to to feel like how firm and like how ripe a plum is oh so that must hurt like crazy when his arm gets ripped off at the end of the movie probably yeah oh my god yeah, yeah. but civil war is another time let's back to the tank this this fight that's about <laughs> to happen this apparently was actually very brutal because it was 100 degrees in london and Ooh, no. gun said that the first few days the extras were like in high spirits but by the end of like the the shoot at this part like all the extras would hang out in the extras tent just in their underwear because they were so hot oh god <laughs> with like yellow alien paint <laughs> and also during this fight scene zoe saldana almost broke chris pratt's ribs like pratt was trying to be all tough like oh, i don't need to wear the protective stuff and then she accidentally kicked him too hard and like bruised his ribs <laughs> jeez my god dude she don't play she's the daughter of thanos also the behind the scenes of once rocket like stuns chris pratt is really funny because before there's any like visual effects like the electricity it's just Pratt just like just falling writhing around on the ground (laughs) but I was watching it I was like I want to see that without special effects yeah (laughs) I'll have to go check that out then that's amazing yeah all the guardians are pretty much captured after that quick fight scene yeah and here's like a big kind it's not really that big of it like an exposition dump but like you get like a brief background of like each of the characters yeah that was actually shot within 12 days of the start they shot that really early so that they could show that for the San Diego comic-con trailer which was like 12 days after they started filming jeez and they got the trailer out which is actually like crazy nice in the blu-ray dvd i read up that there's like a special feature where they recreate that scene in 8-bit oh yeah and uh in the background you see beta ray bill who's the first non-asgardian yeah or non-norse person to wield mjolnir in the comics and there's the guy i forget his name it's the guy sylvester stallone plays in guardians oh, 2 right, he's right. a part of the original guardians of the galaxy in the yeah. comics yeah they're both in the background of the 8-bit oh that's cool footage yeah <laughs> yeah but we also see um John C. Riley, who voices Wreck It Ralph, he's in this. Um, he's in other stuff, but that's his one. He's <laughs> like, yeah, Wreck It Ralph. But you know, so the the three like lights, like on their chests, all of them. Yep. That represents their three sons that they have. Yeah. yeah. It's just so much detail that like you would never like really know. I just I, that makes it so tangible and real, which I think is really cool. Maybe that's why it was so hot in London that day. Yeah. There were three sons. I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but for when Peter was getting scanned, there is uh, like error or anomaly. Uh, icon that came up over his DNA. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Which then is brought up later when they were like, yeah, we found an anomaly before when we had you scanned because they actually showed it earlier that there's a anomaly that came up when they actually did scan him. So I thought that was just cool on the rewatch. Spoilers for Guardians 2. He's a celestial. <laughs> but yeah, so also Chris Pratt uh, doing the middle finger thing was he improv that on the day and yeah. James Gunn liked it. So they just kept it in. There's a lot of improv like back and forth between Gunn and Pratt that made it into the film. Oh, yeah. Like some really cool moments. And also in the scene, you see that they all have like communicators lodged into the, like their necks because they are speaking different languages, but they're able to communicate, I guess, because of those communicators. But it doesn't make sense how they can communicate in Infinity War because like the people from Earth don't have those communicators unless maybe all the time they're hanging out with Chris Pratt, they've learned to speak English. So you never know. Or is it work as like the TARDIS and Doctor Who where it just translates what you're saying to the language that oh, the person understands? maybe. That might be it. Yeah. I mean, does anyone have James Gunn email? Let's find out. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> we need answers. They're uh, transported to the kiln. Yep. The guard has Quill's Walkman hooked on a field and starts playing. There's a lead scene of him dancing to that more. This actually, this set, when they walk into the big kiln set, this was practical for the first three floors, which is insane. Wow. Like they, the way they could afford to do this, they said they needed like, sorry, it was 350,000 pounds of steel. And the only way they could afford it was to, at the end of the shoot, they melted down the steel and then resold it. Jeez. That's incredible. Yeah. Makes sense, though. It is a beautiful set, though. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the what Christopher Nolan did with the, the cornfields in Interstellar. He grew that corn for them to drive through it and then sold the corn they didn't destroy. And then sold the maize. Yeah. yeah to get some profit back. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Also, Chris Pratt is jacked in this shot here. Yeah, he is. And then he's sprayed by the orange portal juice. Yeah. <laughs> Another random substance bath. Yeah. What you guys think is in that? Makes you bounce. The portal juice. <laughs> or is that the fast one? No, that's the fast one, That's the one, fast one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's the fast one. Yeah, the big blue alien, though, that, like, Groot sticks his fingers up his nose, that was voiced by Nathan, Nathan Fillion, Fillion, who is also in all of Gunn's films. Groot messes him up. Dude, he freaking went to, like, his brain. Including the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's, uh, TKD, I think is his name. TK, something like that. Crap, let me look mm. it up. It's great that Gunn is doing all these, uh, like, group films, like, massive casts, because he needs to if he puts all of these actors in all of his films. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Floyd Belkin's his name. That's not the name that they gave on. Ah. TK, TDK. TDK. I don't know who that is. I don't either. Cool. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I really like when Gamora goes into the to her cell. The shot here, just the contrast between the color, like the green of her of her skin, versus like there was like a red light illuminating the background. Like that contrast was just so good. Beautiful. We also see Drax illuminated for the first time. Yep, he's keeping an eye yes. on her. Good old Dave Batista. He had the spotlight on him, like he was about to enter. Yeah. Like he was about to break out into song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's jacked, dude. In this. Oh, Oh, yeah. It took him five hours for makeup. 18 prosthetics. I thought you were going to say it took him five hours to get that jacked. No. <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs> well, he used to be in the WWE. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that kind of, the thing I was ta- that I was talking to you about earlier, Jake, that I didn't go full into detail on was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I used to be a big professional wrestling fan whenever I was like in middle school or high in uh not high school oh. but like in middle school and elementary school and I found out the Royal Rumble was coming to Pittsburgh where I'm from so I looked at my dad I'm like I'm like I know we haven't watched wrestling in like 5 years but we got to go and he was like oh yeah we got to <laughs> go so we went to check it out. It was leaked that Batista was returning that night because he was retired at the point. Oh. And so he came on the show like a, a week before and everyone's like, oh, cool. Batista's here. And then he went and actually won the Royal Rumble. Oh, my gosh. And what ended up happening was everyone turned on him and booed him out of the stadium. What? The goal was Batista wins, wins the title at WrestleMania. Guardians of the Galaxy gets a huge like promotion boost. Yeah. Well, the fans literally turned on the WWE because they wanted Daniel Bryan to win so bad that they added Daniel Bryan to the championship match at WrestleMania and he wins oh instead of Batista. Gosh. And then Batista just kind of faded away and Guardians of the Galaxy was still a smash hit. Yeah. But I was like there the night that like the fans turned on Batista. Wow. It was insane. That's crazy. Jeez. Yeah, I'm not even, I've never heard people boo that loud in their life. <laughs> wow. Well, I thought he did a great job. I don't like, I don't want to boo him. <laughs> oh, he's incredible in this movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, I think it's yeah. funny how that going back to what I said, the comics were so lesser known yeah they were trying anything they could to promote this film right and so they're like oh yeah let's give batista the wwe championship and then it just turned on them like it backfired horribly yeah but yeah so batista actually cried when he heard he got the part um he was so happy which is really cool uh you can actually see his and chris pratt's camera test together their audition batista said he had seven 
auditions over like three months, which is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And yeah, so he's in Gamora meetup. We get that uh, bedhead with Rocket, like smushed fur. That actually, it took 50 iterations before they, they nailed it, Gun said. <laughs> Only 50? That's what he said. You thought it should be more? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> well. <laughs> Have you ever done a hair simulation? Nope. <laughs> it- it could have been a lot more. Well, then they lucked out. <laughs> I mean, 50 is still a good bit. Don't get me wrong, but it could have depend. I mean, they're also professionals. Like they've they had people that had been doing hair physics for a long time. So yeah, that, that makes sense. So 50 is still a good bit, but it could have definitely been a lot more. Yeah. But then we get to Drax. I love Drax taking everything literally. Quill like saves Gamora. This scene, Gun said, is where we finally start getting some momentum. Like we're 30 minutes into the movie. We're a little further in the podcast. Sorry. But uh, everyone like we've met everyone. And it's all set up finally, which is just interesting pacing i love the guy that was my favorite knife <laughs> gun thought up that line like on the day <laughs> that's crazy i like how he was like shaking head like yeah 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 when peter was like you know finger across the throat music yeah and he looks at drax and he's just like no no i've never heard of I've it i've never heard of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah they save gamora and then we cut back to uh ronin ronin kills four gu- thumbs mcgee the other, whatever his name is. Yeah, poor four thumbs. We get Thanos sitting on his chair again. This is like the first time we actually get... Shoehorned in. <laughs> get Thanos as a major like plot point yeah. in the film. Like We've had teasers before and like end credits, but like... Josh Brolin actually did the voice and did the mocap for him. This was his first time doing it. It was someone else for the post credits in Avengers. Oh. In Avengers, he was so like... He was so red yeah. that my minimal knowledge of comics was like, who cares about Red Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was Thanos. I thought it was Red Hulk. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Even though we've seen Ross like on yeah. Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you're doing Red Hulk now? Okay. <laughs> and he's just in space for some reason. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was seriously so confused. I feel like the VFX gets so much better in Infinity War. Like, it was really weird seeing Thanos look like this. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> in Guardians. Luckily, he's kind of, like, in shadow, so, like, you can't really tell, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously he's changed a good bit, but at the same time, I feel like, like, it's a character that's okay for that to happen to, you know? Also, Thanos is just, like, a jerk to his daughter. He's like, you lost my favorite daughter, and Nebula's right, right there. there. <laughs> like, what the heck? He doesn't care. He doesn't play politics. He's a, you know, he's just straight up. Karen Jill. Gillen, 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 I don't know. She <laughs> shaved her head for this role. Yeah. She didn't have to for the next one, though. Wasn't it like a big reveal at Comic-Con or something? Yeah. Like she sat down with a wig and then removed it and everyone was like, Yeah. Whoa! And then the, the announcer, the announcer was like, isn't Nebula bald? And she was like, yep, I actually did something. And she like whips it off and everyone's like, oh my gosh. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we get the, the plan for the prison break. This shot of them sitting down has been studied a lot. Like it's so interesting. Like you have, I think you have two of them on the right closer together than one on the left the triangle points directly to the background if you like follow them yep um just like the the staging the blocking of them and it follows Groot so like your eye is always centralized but it's pointing towards the action that Groot is doing when he's grabbing that battery it's just beautiful staging and blocking and like and you also see Drax in the background like watching Groot just like in the middle like in blind daylight take out this this battery like it's it's just like a genius shot like it's Mm -hmm. oh my gosh ugh so good god just what a good movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> also vin diesel speaking of group he said that he would walk around on stills to get into character <laughs> oh my god what a vibe honestly what are you doing up there vin, vin diesel <sighs> 
What a king. I am Groot. <laughs> I actually, he, he seemed like such a, like a, like a cool guy, like in, in interviews. Like I, I haven't really, I'm not like a big Vin Diesel fan. I, I haven't really watched the Fast and Furious movies, but like, he seems like a cool guy. Like he played D and D, like a guy asked him if he would join their group and he was like, start talking like super nerd D&D stuff like in the middle of like this panel to this guy and it was like really cool <laughs> that's insane yeah everything breaks loose pretty much Drax has a cool fight sequence and gets Rocket that gun yep that hole and then the score here this is where it really stands out like what you were talking about Pat that that's such a good bit whenever Drax just throws him the gun and goes dun 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 dun, dun. oh yeah <laughs> and then yeah. everything just goes silent and all you hear is just that and then they just start unloading ugh yeah also just think of what we're looking at right now we just saw a blue tattooed alien chuck a machine gun to a raccoon standing on a tree shooting drones like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that a major motion picture company uh produced yeah <laughs> also do you think drax is blue i mean in the comics he's green but he's more blue gray here he has more blue pigment here i agree he is obviously more green in the comics but he's still green i think he's pretty green green in this movie he's green really yeah what? he's like a, yeah. he's like a nice pine <laughs> <laughs> it is a very it is very pine well they said to try to get away from green james gunn said they literally tried to not be green in this film because gamora was already green that's why i'm thinking it's not green well no like it's still yeah, it's, it's a very faded kind of green you're it's, right yeah exactly it's like a, I, I could say gray but it's more. still technically green right and also like how they did it with the, the tattoos right they also cover that up because like in the comics right he he technically does have tattoos but they're like larger pieces you know yeah whereas this is, is like a lot more intricate which is right also help break that up they actually like mean something i don't know exactly what they mean but they're supposed to mean something in his culture they like spend a lot of time deciding that but they never they never said the behind the scenes like what it actually was so i was like okay yeah, i guess it means something <laughs> it's just like my reflexes are too fast <laughs> i also love the like just the pacing in in this sequence pretty much every like fight sequence pretty much is like you're kind of directing like a mini movie almost but you get a chance to breathe when you cut to quill just like talking to the guy for his prosthetic leg and it gives a, the audience a chance to like laugh and breathe before going back to the intensity of like the action you need my what yeah <laughs> I, I i was literally i've seen this movie like 17 times probably <laughs> in my life and and I still was cackling at that part. Yeah. Like, it, you're right. It's so well-paced. Yeah. But yeah, that, so they eventually get up to the tower. Uh, we get the, a cool team hero shot for the first time. Yeah. Oh, wait. Before we do this, I wanted to make one one reference, okay? Yeah. When Rocket was on Groot, it reminded me in Shrek 2 when they get Mumbo, you know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else think that or was it just me? It was just you, but I see it now. Right? Don't you <laughs> Because, like, Root, like, he's able to walk faster, but, like, there's, like, this one wide shot where he's, like, walking all slow with, like, rocket on him. I'm like, that's that's freaking Shrek 2 right there. <laughs> More milk, less foam. Uh, also, I feel like this is, like, <laughs> the start of Rocket's obsession with getting limbs, like, prosthetic limbs from people. <laughs> he asked in Infinity War for uh, Bucky's arm as well. I was like, oh, I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> also... Should Bucky's arm, should it have disintegrated in Infinity War? Wait, did it or didn't it? I forget. I, don't know, I guess their clothes See, do. It does. I was going to say no, but then like it has the uh, same properties as, I guess like that he can like have like the nervous system with it. So. Right. Well, That's true. Maybe? It's probably really connected. No, here's the thing you got to think about guys, right? When the characters faded into dust, right? It wasn't just them and like yeah, the clothing their, their clothes. fell you know yeah what if in endgame they all came back just nude and the hero shot at the <laughs> end when they're all lined up it's like half of them are naked that'd be weird <laughs> but like no it, it, it was like it, yeah i guess you can like break it down by like what how you can identify break it the down. character you know so like that in part is like their uniform or like what's a part of them 
you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but let's yeah. get back to the tank. So I have a question. Why do they shoot the bazookas one at a time, one at a time. for yeah. the first three? And then they're like, all right, now we'll do it. <laughs> like, what? It, it, have you, do you watch like the How It Should Have Ended on YouTube? Yes. Yes. I saw they, that. They, yeah. They talk about it there too. And they're like, don't shoot one at a time. Just everyone fire. And they also shoot at separate windows. Yeah. Also the guy shouting fire on my command. That gun said like, that's my friend. We met, we met on a double date. Um, and it didn't, the, the girls didn't work out, but our friendship did. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that man had like the thickest spit shoot out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a. Oh God! What's his name? The it's dude like who Hamilton plays in, King uh, George and Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, that's what Josh Groban. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Quill goes and finds the Milano, which is named after Peter Quill's childhood crush, Alyssa Milano. Oh, what? She's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Quill also goes back for his Walkman. Gun actually. So Gun was like, "Yeah, we put the Pina Colada song on." And he was like, "Have you ever listened to that? Like, cause that's a weird song, man. It's about like they, them having like wanting affairs, but like then yeah. they meet up with each what? other. Like, it is such a weird song, <laughs> but it's so catchy. I also love how the song's called Escape. Yeah, I was gonna, while yeah. they're escaping. I was gonna prison. say that. Yeah, I was like, that's where it fit oh, in. Oh yeah, like, it's yeah, called yeah. Escape, and they're literally escaping. You know, so like it makes perfect sense. Not necessarily the lyrics with it, but you know. <laughs> I said he kind of got sick of that song because he heard it so much. <laughs> Which I wonder if like that's. I, bet. I wonder if like the cast like got sick of the songs because they heard it so much. Yeah, like they can't even stand like the like soundtrack or anything. Because I remember when I worked at when I worked at Subway, they played Christmas music from like November first until Christmas, and I was just so sick of Christmas music by like beginning of September <laughs> or December. December. Well, I worked at a uh, at Barnes and Noble, and the way the music works there is corporate's like, yeah, we want to sell this CD, so let's pump this music through. So I joined oh, that job right at the end of Guardians 2's run. Oh. So I heard a lot of Awesome Mix Volume 2, but it wasn't too often. So I was like, yeah, this is nice. This is nice. And then uh, Greatest Showman came oh, out. Oh, my. And that's all I heard. Is that why you hate weeks that? Weeks and months. No, I'm not even kidding you. We played three separate Greatest Showman albums. We did the one where all the artists covered it. We did the original album, and then there was like an acapella album of it. Oh and my we gosh! All three albums, so it was three times as likely to come on, and they played for over a year. Oh my gosh! I I didn't like the Greatest Showman like plot wise. I was like, it's okay, that's good music though. And now I despise the music, so I despise <laughs> that movie. Wow. <laughs> well, sorry, that was just a side tangent. Sorry, that was let's, just let's let's back to the tank. <laughs> Just me opening up, sorry. We won't have you on if we ever do Greatest Show. Pat just needed to escape himself, you know? He just had a little, little yeah. bit out. That's all it was. Yeah. All right. So they escape. They pina colada it. Behold. <laughs> yeah. The, we get Rocket making some bombs, and he actually, we come across uh, Quill's mom's gift again. Apparently, I didn't even see this, but Groot's just messing around in the background, like playing with stuff on the walls. <laughs> and Gamora still doesn't trust Quill here. They're still building that trust, not giving the coordinates to nowhere. Also, there's a line here that is was like improved by pratt and oh yeah gun the jackson pollock painting thing <laughs> she has no idea if i had a black light this place would look like a jackson pollock painting would a nine-year-old leaving earth know who jackson pollock was i mean i knew who like andy warhol was whenever i was in like the first grade I just don't know if you'd remember that for that reference, but, but it's a hilarious line. We don't know if his knowledge is limited to, like, he could still get, like, transmissions and stuff. I don't know. And they chose Jackson Pollock to, to send. <laughs> hey, man, to each their own. I don't know. <laughs> 
imagine tra- like Earth is like we can finally transmit to space. Yeah. We're going to send them Jackson Pollock. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So we get to the the scene of Yandu confronting the the broker guy and doing the gibberish thing. Sean Gunn like literally could not keep it together, <laughs> and like you see it a little bit. It's great. It's a great scene. Yeah, I love the line where he's like, uh, "You got any more little things like this? I like to." Put him outside of my console whenever <laughs> I'm flying. He goes, I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> yeah. So then the Guardians arrive at Nowhere, which is the severed head of the, what was it, ancient celestial being, which is really cool. Yep. <laughs> Groot gives a girl a flower, which I thought was nice. I feel like he's like such, he's such a sweetheart. He's the heart of it. And it's so interesting because he's like, you have the least easiest way to like see into him because he, he has barely any dialogue and he's all cg but like he's like the heart of the movie which is just so peculiar and that, that's kind of something i was going to touch upon like later was that everyone in the guardians of the galaxy has lost something yeah except groot like groot just kind of exists i mean i think his planet was destroyed but right. he's kind of the only one who's grounded and because <laughs> he's a tree i don't know I, I, like human kind of grounded <laughs> <laughs> God, the joke. <laughs> but no, he's like the nicest of everyone. He's the person who kind of cares about everybody, regardless yeah. of what happens. He's the mom of yeah. the group. He really is. <laughs> he's the multiverse of madness of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then we get to uh, them in like the little, while they're waiting for the collector, they're at the the bars, like kind of betting on like the alien fights. Oh, we also forgot to say, uh, Moon Age Daydream came on when they were coming into nowhere. By David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Peter flirts with Gamora by discussing Footloose. This was actually Pratt's idea when they were developing the script or uh, like kind of finalizing the scenes because he felt like Quill would be a person that would idolize kind of Footloose and like that story and kind of build it up as this legend over the years. Who put the sticks up their butts? Also, uh, Kevin Bacon is a friend of James Gunn. So Bacon really liked the film, actually tweeted about it, and James Gunn was really happy. He's <laughs> like, apparently they worked together in the past. Yeah. And then uh, Gamora is not about this like flirtatious dancing. I believe her exact words were pelvic sorcery. Yes. Those, those were the exact words. <laughs> but then we were broken that up by um, Drax and Drax and Rocket fighting. Yeah, they're fighting. Eco- called me vermin he, she called me rodent and that's interrupted that's it's a nice moment you see a little bit of rocket's pain yeah oh, yeah but then we also meet the collector who uh is played by benicio del toro who i think was like the excellent casting choice because benicio oh, yeah. del toro makes me uncomfortable yeah and the collector made me very uncomfortable well he said he's apparently a very awesome and like serious like chill person oh i don't doubt it yeah sorry a serious actor but it's awesome like chill person he chatted with the extras like all the time he said he said that actually all right so gun told a story during the director's commentary that one day he there was there's a set pa like production assistant that was the daughter of uh like the guitarist in iron maiden and benito del toro like loves that band so he was fangirling over this set pa and this set and like wanted a picture with her and the set pa was like in shock like that benito del toro wanted a picture like with her i thought that was so cool (laughs) benito del toro looks like the kind of guy who's just like an iron maiden fan guy yeah yeah god i love iron maiden we also see um, that dog, which is Cosmo the dog, which is, I believe, one of the original Guardians in the comics. Oh, really? Is that... I don't know. I'll fact check it, but I'm not... Wait, no. Yeah. Wasn't he like... Um, I believe so. I'm pretty sure he had like intelligence, but he still couldn't speak. Yeah. So he had like psychic abilities or something like that? Yeah. 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 He did. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Cosmo, a telepathic Soviet dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. But in the background, there's also a dark elf and a Jatari guy. Yeah. I, I noted that. I was like, there's a dark elf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just... it's. I mean, like Pat said, he's very uncomfortable to think about, like, how he's literally collecting, like, people. 
and all these things. And then, like, when he sees Groot for the first time, he's just like, hmm, I would like to collect your body. Yeah, I never noticed that, like, that he, like, offers to pay him for his corpse. <laughs> After your death, At the of time course. of your death, of course. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the the shot where Quill drops the orb was not planned, but it just adds to, like, what we said with him being, like... Clumsy. Clumsy, like, Chris Pratt literally just dropped it and just recovered it and stayed in character, so they used that shot. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, also, Del Toro had an interesting view of the collector. He said the collector is kind of feels like he's like Noah, like from Noah's Ark. Like he feels like there's a catastrophe coming to the galaxy and that he wants to collect everything so that everything can survive. Yeah, that's what he views like the collector's purpose is. It makes me think of V for Vendetta. I thought that was an interesting thing. Huh. Neat. Yeah. I wonder if that catastrophe was Thanos or if it's something else. Dun, dun, dun. If he knew it was Thanos, though, like he probably didn't know, but like he should not have been collecting those Infinity Stones then. Yeah, oh, hold up, buddy. <laughs> I feel bad that the collector's like collection gets exploded like multiple times in MCU films. Like it blows up here when the assistant grabs it. Yeah, and then it also gets destroyed in Infinity War when yeah. Thanos goes. But whatever. Also here, Drax phones Ronan, and the guy, the phone guy, is actually Gunn's best friend. He said, <laughs> "Just get James Gunn seems like a friendly guy." Oh God, yeah, he'd be the kind of guy you want to go have a beer with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just imagine being James Gunn's friend. <laughs> he's like, "Hey guys, uh, just need someone to just exist in this movie. Who wants it?" Hey, uh, yeah, Chris Pratt needs someone to act off of. You want to be in it? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we also Howard the Ducks in the background of the collectors thing. I forgot to say. Wait, do we see it here, or is that I only? It, it is in the background here, but it's also shown later. Huh. Yeah, and then we get an Infinity Stones backstory, and then everything goes kaboom, and yep. there's some cool purple flames. This is actually, like, pretty much the midpoint of the film. Now that they know that it's, like, about, like, know that the orb has the stone in it, like, their plans have to change, which is good, like, structural, oh, yeah. structurally. And then Ronan shows up. <gasps> As well as Yondu. No. They, like, arrive at the same time. And Yondu. Yeah. Yeah, Yondu's, like, not a factor till the end. <laughs> yeah. I like how they gave him a lot more in the second movie yeah i like that they use like the mining ships um i think the targeting effects are really cool kind of reminded me of, like the dark elf hud yeah same from thor 2 it's a really nice effect yeah i feel like drax did not live up to his name of drax the destroyer he was more drax the destroyed by ronin did we ever talk about him in his in this scene comic counterpart we just said that he was green okay in the comics in the comics he also i'm i think is either thanos's dad or granddad that actually makes drax Oh, I think you're right. Oh, really? Yeah, they, that sounds very familiar. I forget exactly what it was. They design him to kill Thanos. Yeah. So, like, his one goal is to kill Thanos in the comics, right? Right. Yeah. And, and in this one, like, he's like, Ronin's my enemy. And then, like, at the end, he's like, just kidding. It's Thanos. <laughs> so, it's like, his motives are still the same, but, like, his origin's definitely different. But I like how they change it up like that. Well, Makes him feel a little more human. Speaking of names, how did Ronin get the name Ronin the Accuser? Like, I feel like that's just, like, Ronin the Tattletale. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a lame name. <laughs> I thought of, I, I've been playing Pokemon on stream recently, and I love all in like, those kind of games. Everybody has is named after their occupation. Yeah, or something about them. There's like Parasol Girl Emily, <laughs> and it's like. Uh, what? Like, imagine being named uh, after your uh, occupation or something about you. Slim Jim Guy Dan. Podcaster Jake. <laughs> Slim Jim Guy Dan. Likes to eat a lot, Jake. That's kind of like what we were talking about, like, with, uh, like, when you, like, refer to yourself, like, as your name, like, oh, come oh, on, Banner. Banner. You yeah. paid up front or whatever. <laughs> come on, Podcaster Jake. And, like, did he give himself that title and everyone else below him was just like, okay? Or was he, like, given it? Like, was he appointed? <laughs> I want to be Ronan the Accuser or something. I don't know. <laughs> Ronan definitely seems like the kind of guy 
guy who would give himself a nickname. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just like, everyone's like, sure, man. Yeah. Because I feel like if you were choosing a name, you would not, I don't know, because I would not choose Jake the Accuser. Like, uh, whatever. What, let's stop talking about this. I mean, um, I mean for him, I, mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because he's very judgmental and his whole thing's about like judgment and like revenge. But still, like, yeah, let's just continue. Maybe they couldn't be running the Revenger because the Revengers had to be in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I do like, there is actually, you can see it in the, um, I believe the gag reel on Disney Plus, but they did like, they pulled a Pixar and they like fully rendered out bloopers. Like there's a, they're like some Rocket and Groot, like fully completed CG bloopers. Like there's one where Groot is like crammed into the mining ship with Rocket and he wet willies Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> there's also one where Rocket like couldn't get into the ship because he was too short that they like rendered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then Gamora's blown up pretty much. I really like, actually before we get there, sorry. I like how Quill flies a ship with another ship. Like that's really impressive. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. He's like freaking literally being a parasite but like also it was a crazy thing about like how technical you had to be like either your hands there yeah that's a lot of control holy yeah moly. like imagine playing a game based off of like like one of those streaming services like stadium it's like people that like build like games in minecraft or something yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why would you do that <laughs> i don't know but yeah so anyways back to tank gamora's blown up ronan gets the orb does a classic villain mistake of not actually checking if he killed drax but just dumps him into some yellow liquid Spinal fluid yeah quill calls out to yondu there's a lot of controversy over this scene of him in space gun said that like they consult with a bunch of scientists and basically like if in like some certain situations like he could have survived in space if he like expelled all the oxygen from his lungs also because you can kind of chalk it up to he's half human half like that celestial like ego thing so right. that might have helped him a little bit survive in space yeah <laughs> plus you can also make an argument because yes they technically did leave nowhere but they were still on the edge of it and nowhere does have a composed atmosphere right so it could yeah. have been the equivalent of like being in a, like an upper atmosphere like environment like on earth like still it's gonna freaking suck but it's not going to be like the like space space you know what i mean yeah right yeah i just love whenever people try to like make science out of this kind of stuff and i'm like there is a talking yeah. raccoon in the movie and a talking tree yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he was outside in space for two seconds longer than what he technically would have if he survived oh no see that that kind of brings me uh, going back to ant-man and the wasp there's a bit where they uh acknowledge i don't remember the exact science they acknowledge kind of like a paradox or something that contradicts something like they acknowledge that oh we can't do this because of this but then later in the movie they go ahead and do it anyways uh, and just contradict their own statement and it's like wait a minute also i think in endgame they also like do some crazy science thing that like doesn't make sense like the way when tony figures out time travel it's like an inverted like crazy shape but like i think in real life you can't invert that shape yeah. or something like that no yeah you and i saw endgame together yeah and i saw it with my roommate freshman year with you guys and he leaned over to me and goes you can't invert that shape <laughs> and he just left the theater <laughs> like nope i can't do yeah. this anymore <laughs> movie sucks i'm out <laughs> but yeah so group pulp fictions drax and uh saves him batiste was actually getting over a cold here there was apparently like a, a cold that like went around the entire cast so at some point they all had a cold but still acted their hearts out and this actually like drax is like emotional core he like gets really serious and talks about how like his rage like blinded kind him. of like enveloped him and yeah he yeah he's he like apologizing but i thought he did really really well i really like rocket you're making me beat up grass <laughs> <laughs> that line was almost cut but gun fought to keep it and i'm so happy he did <laughs> oh it's great i even love how, like the grass like flies at the camera yeah you see like a chunk of the dirt go at the camera it's great in 3d apparently that was probably really cool 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grass. <laughs> Speaking of Wreck-It Ralph from earlier, uh, Ronan goes turbo here and decides not to be Thanos' pawn anymore. He's like, yeah, I'll just do it myself. I'll take out the middleman. He's got major cojones there to do that against Thanos. I mean, you gotta think about it like this, right? Thanos doesn't have any Infinity Stones right now because of that. He gave the two that he had to Loki. I th- for some reason, your audio cut out a little bit. I thought you said Infinity Songs. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, never-ending story? Ooh, child, <laughs> things are gonna get easier. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, like, like Thanos literally is like probably his lowest power level right now compared to like yeah. every other point in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. If you think about it, because he's sitting in a chair all day, get up and do yeah, something. He's not doing anything, and then like he he, he lost. <laughs> he's in full couch potato mode. <laughs> he lost the Mind Stone. Yeah, and then he also couldn't get back the Tesseract because that was Loki's job pretty much. So he, he's just out for the count. He's just taking L's. Rip. Oh, poor Thanos. Poor Thanos. Until he wins, but poor Thanos. Poor Thanos. Why are we simply? Sympathizing with him. <laughs> I mean, Infinity War really is his story. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. We will get there. We might need to make that like a two-part episode or something. I don't know. Anyways, back to the Milano. Or actually, sorry. The Ravengers have Quill. Yep. Is that what she's filling your head with, boy? Santa man! <laughs> yes. Rocket threatens to blow up the ship. I love the line that Sean's, Sean says, uh, Captain's gonna teach stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> God, Sean Gunn, what a man. And then also later when Yondu says, you always did have a scrope, boy. I'm like, did they really just say that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that until this watch. I was like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> did you really just say it? <laughs> but we get back to the Milano with the whole team. I love how they, it's not like the typical cliche, like inspiring each other, but they're like bickering. It's just these character moments. Again, the team back together and, and like they're bickering that relationship, showing them getting comfortable, like bantering off of each other. The whole like, we have to, time to work out the minutia of the plan or whatever. This scene is, I think, really done well. The scene was actually added after Joss Whedon read the script because it's they said it needed more humor and like more James Gunn. And actually, Joss Whedon gave James Gunn his first job, so I thought that was kind of cool. Huh. <laughs> With this scene, the the bit where he's like, "I look around this room, and you know what I see? Losers." Yeah. <laughs> we had this thing in high school. It was called Bold. It was like boys organized leadership division. I don't know, dude. It was something weird. <laughs> what it was was. A bunch of high school students would go back and they'd all get a group of middle school students assigned to them and they'd take them station to station and kind of like teach them about high school and life and everything. Yeah. And I did it one year and the guys that we had were just, they were like the nerdy kids. Yeah. And there's always a big dodgeball game at the end of it. Oh my gosh. And I was like, we're going to get destroyed. We're going to lose dodgeball so hard. So I was like, well, I got to rally the troops. So I ripped off <laughs> the speech. Oh my gosh. To hype everyone up. I'm like, I look around this room and I see losers. And I was like, but tonight we're winners. <laughs> We didn't win the tournament, but we won a few games, which is like we moved on in the tournament. And I was like, this oh, is that's I cool. Rallied the troops, I guess. All right. This this speech <laughs> actually that he gives, like that they've all lost things and like bond over it. The Quill speech. They did a lot of takes and Chris Pratt wasn't really getting it. But James Gunn finally said, like, just say the speech as if you're saying it like yourself. Just Chris Pratt. And he did it. And th- that's the take they used. Oh, yeah. Also, the uh, look at us. Just a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. That was improv by Sean Gunn on set. <laughs> yeah. So we get a montage of the plan yep cherry bombs don't let ronin to the surface mm-hmm. they get scavenger Ugh. outfits guardians of the galaxy they contact wreck it ralph again yep they have the walking down the hall scene yeah legendary which is like another expectation subversion because like gamora's yawning quills rubbing his nose rockets grabbing his balls it's, it's so good how they're like these guys are the people or who are gonna save the day yeah save the galaxy <laughs> you know, these hooligans <laughs> 
it's really funny seeing it pre-CG because like Rocket and Groot are just like people in green morph suits. <laughs> yeah. And then we get Act 3, baby! Yeah. Oh, so good. I like when they come in and like shoot that like orange ball to like distract them. Like that was kind of cool. Yeah, like that like electrical net thing. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I was watching it today whenever they did that and whenever they dive bombed and there was some straggler still left behind. I'm like, did you not get the memo to die? <laughs> like, it's been like, like 30 seconds, dude. Yeah. Their comms were down. They're like, oh, down. I thought you said around. <laughs> Bring it around town. <laughs> and then they just get shot. I, yeah. I like when Novacore comes in. Quill's like, they got my dick message. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Yondu goes down and... Yeah, he has a dip because he's hit and he's like i'll see you again this boy quill crash lands into the the dark aster ship they, we they had like a couple people go ahead and like blew a hole into it that way just like kevin in. bacon and then yeah we're just like kevin bacon <laughs> which i'm sure again he tweeted about and he was like yeah, yeah. i feel like there's like such a funny thing like irony in that like this is the movie most removed from earth yet it has like the most pop culture references oh yeah they did pop culture references right in this movie yeah you know it, it fit with the plot it fit with everything then you see a movie like ready player one and i don't mean to bash ready player one but my the pop culture references just kind of happen yeah yeah they're making a ready player two novel i know and i'm gonna read it and i'm gonna hate it and i'm gonna love it what (laughs) yeah i read ready player one and was like wow i remember acdc i remember rush and then i thought about it was like i wasn't that good of a book and then a co-worker of mine texted me like ready player two is coming out i'm like oh i'm gonna hate it i'm so excited (laughs) there's like a whole page of ready player one where they just copy and paste the intro to uh monty python and the holy grail they just basically (laughs) copy and paste it and i'm like reading it and i'm like aha yeah this is a funny bit and i'm like wait but he didn't write this what's going on why am i enjoying it (laughs) this is plagiarism I saw Ready Player One on my... It came out on my birthday Ooh. a couple years ago. I saw it with some Shades people. My acapella group. Fancy. Yeah, but um, we get Batista laughing hysterically as they're crash landing. That was actually thought of by Gunn on the day again, which I think kind of segued nice into how much he batista like laughs out loud in the next films and i'm so happy he does that like i love his laugh as drax oh it's so good yeah it's so comical yeah so then we get nebula going karen mode <laughs> get out of my way she's played by a karen yeah well that's right she's a, karen that, she's a cool karen though i yeah, thought, she is I thought cool that was a joke you were making daniel i didn't know i, I guess oh it my was, gosh but i didn't even think about that wow, daniel's just so good he can make jokes subconsciously now <laughs> <laughs> he's like cosmo the dog he's just telekinetic powers but yeah, also the Nova Corps, they touch tips yep. to stop yes. the ship from coming. I feel like that's like literally like the theme of this film. Like they're stronger together. Like that's the theme of Guardians. I thought you were going to say. Not touching the, tips. The theme, of the, the theme of the film is touching that's tips. That's not the theme of the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Groot releases some beautiful lights. When could you do that? I love baby Groot, but adult Groot is awesome. Apparently, I saw on IMDb trivia that the reason Drax said that, like, when you learn to do that is because in none of the comics, like, that's a power. Like, this was, that power was made up for the movie. Oh. That was kind of a nod to, like, it's never been done before. Huh. I mean, it makes nice. sense, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's IMDb, though, and according to Pat, we can't trust that now, <laughs> based on your friend. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. I mean... I have an IMDb page. My name was spelled wrong for like six years on it. Really? Yeah, they forgot the K in my first name. Wait, what are you in uh, I- on IMDb for? I'm on IMDb too for that this like horror movie I did. I'm on IMDb for a short film my friend made whenever he was in film school. And English isn't his first language, so I don't blame him for spelling my name wrong. But I was just like, I remember seeing the page of me like, I'm the only one with my name spelled wrong. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> it was fun. I do have an IMDb. Where'd my picture go? Do I? You have to make one, I'm pretty sure. Or if you're oh. in one. 
have someone never mind make it for you well i would have only been in like your films i guess yeah i don't have any imdb stuff for that <laughs> yeah one day daniel all right i love that like the that drax undermines this moment though with the spores like he's like calling out his friends he's like this green whore is now my friend <laughs> she's like oh will you please then he bazookas nebula and then nebula shows up out of nowhere and he's like nobody talks to my friends like that <laughs> and then dude yandu's a beast oh my god music gets so mysterious like the score and then he opens up his jacket and uh the unsettling like bell thing goes off yeah it takes down like 20 people i just love how they uh how they don't show they just keep teasing like he has this arrow and you don't really know what it does until it happens and it's just this jaw dropping moment it's awesome and then like we see nebula healing and that's kind of gross (laughs) yeah Mm, guys not a fan it's like a giant cracking your knuckles but it's like cracking your everything back in the place. yeah also this is we're kind of going all over the place but that's just because this is like there's so much happening and i feel like that's a testament to the editing that we can kind of understand what's happening uh, and cutting with back and forth between all these places like next the ronin ships start kamikazeing which is actually like pretty intense and there's a quick shot where uh barit from the beginning saves someone on the bridge oh that was barit i just thought it was another pink person well the the two pink people in a few shots after that are john c Riley's family like family wife and daughter yeah. but there's another one where it's barit oh okay yeah and then quill back on the ship runs into baldy mick what do you say Creek guy baldy mccree yep Bobby McCree, something yeah. like that. Name's McCree. Yeah, and he's recognized as Star-Lord, so that's some character growth. Good stuff. That's a great bit. Good payoff. Finger to the throat means death. <laughs> <laughs> they That skirmish is really cool. Love Groot taking down like 20 guys. I love how the music just cuts out. Dude, yeah, he went freaking off. I love how whenever he does that, Quill just kind of looks at Drax, and Drax just smiles and nods. Yeah. And then Groot just looks back, and he just smiles. It's like, look, look, guys, I did it. <laughs> so Ronan blasts the the Nova Corps people that are touching tips, and the ship breaks through. No touching tips allowed. <laughs> Rocket says the city's been evacuated, but at the end, there's still people. At the end, they're like everyone's witnessing like that dance battle. So like, <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. It was like yeah, everyone's out of the everyone's out. Don't worry, don't worry. And then everyone's there watching it happen. Yeah, I don't know. There could have been people who like stayed behind, you know, because you know you you can't really confirm if everybody's gone unless you do like some kind of like right. tracker. Like everybody has like implants. Cosmo the dog would have been able to tell. That's true. Wait, who? That's why Cosmo's not in. He's too OP. <laughs> the dog, <laughs> Pat. The the. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> The space dog. But yeah, so Gamora and Nebula have a little fight. You see Gamora's skeleton, which kind of reminded me of episode six in Star Wars when Luke's getting electrocuted. Yeah. Although I felt like the effect in this, it was like really well done the way they handled like the subsurface scattering with the light going through. That was really nice. Yeah. Dude, freaking Nebula cuts off her own hand to escape. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> and that seemed like her like legit hand. Yeah. Like her arm was, yeah, like replaced, but like her hand was still, I think, like her hand. So like that's, I don't know. That's weird to think about. And isn't it, if I'm remembering correctly, in the second one, doesn't she have just like, like this dinky little like, like a claw, claw. Yeah. yeah yeah that claw <laughs> yeah but uh quill blasts ronin and it doesn't work oh no and actually rock here it. i actually yeah. want to talk about this right because gamora she she breaks the open the door thing right and then she just shoots open the ceiling and then just jumps up right so why didn't yeah. everybody go with yeah. her to take out nebula and then go up that way maybe she had to take down like that green thing to be able to blast through the the floor like maybe there was like a shield or something That's same thing like if if gamora they could have still been there and done that right they could have all went with her but maybe they like needed a distraction or something yeah that's a good point i don't know 
But Rocket crashes into the ship and saves Drax. Almost kills Drax also. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, you could see right when the ship's coming, like, Quill tackles Groot to save him. So yeah. that was kind of cool. We don't get a lot of Quill Groot moments. I also like here when the ship's going down, you see Groot make the conscious decision to sacrifice himself, which is just a testament against the animators uh, making you care about, like, the CG character. Mm-hmm. And then we get the... And then Groot... Oh, oh man, the Wii. Oh, I almost Groot. cried. <laughs> I remember, like, whenever that came out, I was hanging out with some of my neighbors, and one of them was like, "When you said we are Groot, that was the stupidest thing that's ever happened." And I ripped the kid a new one. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I got I got steamed at him. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, I say kid. I make it sound like I was like sixteen, and he was like nine. It was the nine year old you're stealing from. <laughs> I was like sixteen. He was like uh, fourteen. He's not that far behind me. Uh huh. Yeah, I got a little got a little angry. Yeah. Zoe Saldana actually did. She was crying on set when she was like recognizing what was happening, which is crazy because it was like before CG. So it was literally like a guy in a green morph suit, but she was so just like moved by the moment. So oh, yeah. that's pretty intense. Wow. What a movie. Yeah. Then we were woken back up by Ooh, dance child. battle. Yeah. Then the city that was evacuated, the inhabitants come out somehow. <laughs> also, Gunn suggested something. So, you know, when Rocket charges at Ronin, like when he comes out? Yeah. Gunn said that this is up for debate. Like, people can think either way, but like, was Rocket running at. I, I mean, I feel like it's this one. I feel like Rocket was running at him to get vengeance for Groot, but he also said that he feels like Rocket intentionally ran over there to get blasted by the bomb part so he could make a bomb or for the distraction. I feel like it was more for Groot, honestly. That's what I'm saying. But it could have been both. Like, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The reason I say that, especially, is because when you're doing animating, right, the one thing that you need to also keep in mind is thinking moments, right? Yeah. It's very easy to go from moment to moment. Like, if you're like, okay, my character's going to be fighting this scene, and then they're going to be walking over here. Then hopscotching. But it's very hard to pause and have your characters, like, have them animated and consciously, like, so that they're thinking about something, right? Yeah. What you see here is that once Rocket gets blasted over to, like, the parts, right? Then he, like, thinks. He stops. And he observes. And he's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I can do this. Yeah. And then he starts doing this stuff. So that's why I say that. Gotcha. I do like how Ronan calls, gives him the title, The Guardians of the Galaxy. But then he freaking starts monologuing. <laughs> yeah. You got me monologuing. <laughs> and then he says like, something like, Ishima. And then Quill starts the dance battle. Yeah. I can't believe this works. <laughs> In the behind the scenes, though, Ronan d- starts dancing back in like a blooper reel thing. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. Oh, I, that's yeah. such a yeah. funny clip. And then he passes it to Gamora, and Gamora starts dancing, and then everyone, and like all the extras start dancing too. It like turns out this giant dance off, I guess, is, is pretty cool. Kind of like a dance mob thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Dance off, bro. You're on. But also, apparently, the apparently Pratt pointing towards Gamora <laughs> be like, Gamora. Subtle, take it back. That was like improv. Like more, like Zoe Saldana was not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that like they're like all remained in character. Yeah, <laughs> like it all fits still. Yeah, and then they win by holding hands. Power of okay. friendship. Don't oversimplify the greatest scene in the movie. No, I'm just kidding. I know, but I I do love that like <laughs> Quill accepts taking his mother's hand by taking Gamora's hand. Like I really like that. And like when it transitions from like that space background back to like the purple of the like the purple flames of the Infinity Stone, like I, that transition oh. was really cool oh it's clean as hell yeah yeah it's great family and love also love how when they do start holding hands and then like a shaky cam all throughout but then as it transitions it becomes into like a more steady just yeah yeah pan like oh my god yeah when they gain control of it and they lower their heads it's just like oh gosh have you seen that how it should have ended with a uh, ronin also grabs onto them and he's yep. like what are you doing let go he's like no way dude <laughs> i love it like whenever they finally all hold hands and they just like 
look at Ronan and the score comes back into the main theme. Yeah. And then he just goes, you're mortal. How? And then the best line in the movie where he goes, you, you said, said it yourself, yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. And then he just, oh, yeah. what a movie. I just, I live for that. I, when I ever feel down, I just watch that scene again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Cause these are just outcasts who never had anyone in their life. Anyone they did had, they lost and they all finally come together and connect and work as a team. And it kills the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Then Yandu also conveniently shows up right then. And Quill pulls the switcheroo. And Gunn actually says, so when Quill says, Yandu, you know not to open that, right? Yandu, like, kind of gives, a, like, a nod and, like, a subtle look. But, like, he knows that he pulled the switcheroo. But he doesn't want to kill Quill. Oh, yeah. So... Oh, that was kind of cool. If you look for it, you can see it. It's pretty cool. Uh, we get more foreshadowing about Quill's heritage with Sean Gunn saying it's good they didn't deliver him to the dad. Yeah. And we find out more of what that means in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it they set up the second movie so well. Yeah, they did. And I mean, they they planted hints for the third one too, with like the gold people or whatever. Oh yeah, they set up so much. They answered a lot of questions in this movie, but then they also left a lot unanswered, which is amazing. Yeah. Um. Then we get a lot of wrap up stuff. They clear the criminal records. Well, we also get like Drax consoling Rocket, which he brought before, and then we get into like them talking to Nova Prime, like Drax being like, "I gotta go after Thanos." Yeah. Apparently, when they're walking out to the ship, that was a horrible day on set because they were in the middle of London on like a rooftop. It was a Sunday, and there were like church bells ringing like every fifteen minutes. And oh, the sun kept no. going in and out of clouds, so, like it was horrible to get this like final thing. <laughs> and then we get Quill opening up his package from his mom. He's more closure now. She recorded that voiceover of like her reading the letter in her voice, like in the back of a car with James Gunn. <laughs> really? <laughs> Apparently. I don't know why they didn't go to, like, an actual studio, but... <laughs> That's incredible. You have one of the biggest, probably now, the biggest multi-billion dollar companies... Yeah. ...that give you tools to access, and you're like, ah, oh, we'll just do it in the back of an Uber, whatever. In their car. <laughs> and his mom gave him the name Star-Lord. Aww. Aww. We get Awesome Mix Volume 2. Which has some absolute bangers, if I do say so myself. Yeah, there's a lot of bangers yeah, in there. Yeah, we'll get there. And then we get Xandar vaulting the power stone. We got yeah. we get Quill and Gamora kind of like suddenly dancing, yeah, like swaying. I guess more. <laughs> we get Infant Groot again. Yes. that was designed after the production actually wrapped. I wanted to ask you guys about this, right? Okay, there's like a billion sticks there, right? Do you think all those sticks turned into like little? Just, <laughs> well, maybe because they didn't like nourish it. I was wondering that too. Like maybe if he planted all of them, they may have. But also, I think Gunn did confirm. He said that you know when like Groot's like prepping like in the montage to get ready, and like he like spikes out all of his like sticks. Mm -hmm. And then, like he plucks like a leaf mm -hmm. that's like a seedling and he said that those seedlings are what create the new Groot so it, I think it had to have had a seedling on it ah, okay. for it to work so I was like could the Guardians of the Galaxy just make an, an army, army of, Groot? of Groots we are just Groot. imagine <laughs> in Endgame Captain America's just like Avengers and you see like the Wizards the Wakandans you know the all Groot. the all the great people and then you just see Groot do you think Groot's name is Tree? Because Thor speaks Groot and calls him Tree. Huh. What does he call Rocket? Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, he's just, I, th I think it's one of those things, right? Like, he thinks he's identifying it as something, but then he just does it. Ah, uh, maybe. Know? Like, he's trying to mimic Stark in a way. Also, apparently, like, maybe Groot wasn't really supposed to be in Guardians 2, but the fans loved him so much that they made him in it. Oh, he's great in Guardians 2. Yeah. He's fantastic. I still prefer good old adult Groot. Yeah, me too. I hope they go back to adult Groot. I don't like teen Groot. 
I really don't. I didn't really either. I love though, there's one shot when he cuts off his arm to grab, to make Thor's hammer that it, it sounds like the, the Lego Yoda death scream from the video game. You're kidding me. No, we've gone over this. I will show you it after this, but it actually is. I like, I've played it back to back and I compared it to, to like, and showed it to my roommates and they agree. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. Yeah! All right. Uh, while you're doing that, so we get the post credits again. We get Howard the Duck, Cosmo the dog again. Yep. Uh, he's also <laughs> in Endgame. Uh, how the ducks voiced by seth green really yeah i did not know that seth green that's awesome also gun thanked a ton of people during the credits which was nice he asked do i keep talking now after this part <laughs> <laughs> seth green also in another gun movie oh yeah he was in a uh, scooby-doo 2 oh what was he in scooby-doo 2 <laughs> He was uh, the character Patrick. It was like the, oh. the apprentice and the main villain. I don't really remember Scooby-Doo 2. I just remember Seth Green's in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I have a couple of last minute things. So Gunn shouted out people of the future watching this director's commentary, which technically was us. But he said, hello, and hope you enjoyed listening on your brain devices. I was like, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> what a king. Also, at the very end of the credits, there was a message that said no raccoons or tree creatures were harmed during the making of this film. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But what about actually? Actual trees, though. Mm, shoot. Mm. I feel like with all the construction, there were probably a lot of there's trees. Definitely a lo- there's definitely a lot of metal that was hurt in the process. I mean, they had to freaking yeah. buy a bunch of it, forge it, and then resell it. Like that's not that's not trading your metal nicely. Yeah. Exactly. What jerks? <laughs> also, real quick, I did listen to the Groot cutting his arm off. It does sound like a pitched up Lego Star Wars Death Yoda sound. Yeah. The more you know. Bum, 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 bum. I feel like this film can be boiled down to this shouldn't have worked, but it did really well. <laughs> Like, very well. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you're kind of right. <laughs> I feel like this broke the Marvel mold for the better. Like, I feel like Marvel was kind of uh, definitely. settling. I mean, not with Cap 2, but the couple films before that was kind of settling. And I feel like Cap 2 and this really helped Marvel get ahead again oh absolutely i feel like this kind of because one thing i was talking about with my friends like at the time of the movie coming out is we used to watch this one youtube channel pretty much it they're still active now but it's changed drastically about their content yeah. and one thing they always made a joke about was how so many films coming out were dark and gritty you know like man of steel is yeah. just so unsaturated and everything well like M- marvel films aren't necessarily dark and gritty but like the th- kind of the theme and tone of the films are like thor the dark world quite right. literally as dark <laughs> in the title but like guardians of the galaxy was a great change of yeah pace, i agree which is now why i think people are so excited for the batman coming out because that's going back to the dark and gritty formula right now it's be- felt so, so bright light and yeah right now i do have a couple last minute trivia things that i did research on so apparently james gunn gave out play-doh on set when someone did like caster crew did a, like a phenomenal job he said that he loves the smell of a newly opened play-doh container because it brings you back to your childhood and like encourages you to be like creative like those days and he gave out approximately 40 containers jeez my god also dave batista gave zoe saldana and chris pratt custom wwe championship belts and then <laughs> james gunn gave batista a vintage lunchbox because apparently Dave Bautista collects, collects them. them. Yeah. For Guardians 2, they had a Do You Know Your Guardian thing on Jimmy Kimmel or something. And it was oh, like, yeah. who collects vintage lunch boxes? And it was Bautista. Yeah. Hmm. Also, so Gamora is obviously like known for like not dancing, but Zoe Saldana is a professionally trained like ballet dancer. Really? That's hilarious. Yeah. And finally, my last fact in Dutch, Groot means big. So he's saying, I am big. Hmm. Nice. That's what I had for Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo! Anyone else have any other last minute thoughts on guardians i like space yeah space is cool space 
All we right. stand space. I can't wait for Guardians 3. Wahoo. Yeah, Guardians 3 is going to be good. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. All right, but I do want to do some patron shout-outs really quick. Yeah. So cue the Star Wars mu- music. Music. Boosh. All right, we've got Patron Evan, Patron Lori, Patron Tony, Patron Frank, Patron Rick. Thank you for pledging the tier. It gives you these shout-outs. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out the Patreon, link's in the description. I also wanted to read a review that my um, grandfather texted me because he enjoyed the last episode. It, it was the one, so you remember how we had all those those cap puns? Yes, I do. My God. All right. So this is the review he said. I said, I just listened to your cap debating Captain America podcast and I felt I needed to capitalize on the opportunity for feedback. I believe it was the Capstone podcast to date. It was so good. My capillaries were filled to capacity. Grandma had to give me an aspirin capsule with a cappuccino chaser to calm me down. Great job. Love you. Pat that. So thank you, Pat Pat. <laughs> your capillaries are doing okay. Huge shout out to your grandfather for doing yeah. that. Yeah. Oh my god, that was that was incredible. Yeah. Oh, so leave man. us a review and we'll like you. All right. Finally, please follow our social medias. We uh, don't plug that too often. For Instagram, it's whatever we want pod, and Twitter, it's what we want underscore pod. Links in the description, everything. And finally, finally, Pat, 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 Pat. Hi. What would you like to plug? I would like to plug my Twitch channel. Rad Catholic Dad, come on by. I play video games right now. I'm doing a Nuzlocke run of Pokemon Sapphire. It's pretty fun. I also have a YouTube channel called Part Trick. I don't know if it comes up whenever you search it, but, uh, you know, we'll see if it comes up. I have some great videos down the line that I'm excited for, some great projects coming out. So, yeah, I hope you guys can uh, stay in touch with me through there. Yeah, I highly recommend you check your stuff out. Links will be in the description and everything. Pat uh, worked with Daniel and I a lot on the Blue Butter Bagel stuff. If you haven't checked that out, it's pretty funny. He's a funny guy, so definitely show him the love and support really appreciate it oh well thank you yeah yeah also also i'm flatted also also yes i'm gonna plug myself yes yeah, oh daniel yeah all right because i also just started my own personal patreon and youtube up again for my own art stuff patreon would be patreon at daniel cardona art i'm also on social media as well so feel free to go check that out yeah definitely everyone's doing some creative stuff if you're bored because you can't go outside comfortably, then check it out. Why not? You know? Nice. All right. Anything else anyone wanted to talk about today for this episode? Uh, there is one thing I had written down that I totally forgot to mention whenever we got to that bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whenever Star-Lord's getting back his, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, his Walkman. Walkman, yeah. And he's just beating the hell out of all these guys. And the one guy lands, he goes, ah, my neck. Oh, yeah. I was like in tears <laughs> laughing because it reminded me of the my leg guy. My from leg. Oh, my God. That line is delivered so well, the ah, my neck guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was funny and I wanted to mention that. That's so good. All right. If that is it, then Daniel, please take us home. We just talked about whatever we wanted to talk about, and now we're done. Blank. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, see you next time for, I believe it's Avengers Age of Ultron. It's going to be good. Uh, leave yes. reviews. Follow social media, all that stuff. Jazz, goodbye. Uh, Farewell. See ya.